Welcome to Cast of Creators. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Thal. And I'm Casey Stewart. We spent our careers in media and publishing, and now we're setting the stage for creative people who inspire us to share their stories. Our guest this episode is Corey Lee. Corey is a singer and actress who you'll recognize from Degrassi, Instant Star, and her many movies. Corey shared some great tips for getting started in the world of acting, career highlights, and her upcoming movies this holiday season. Here we go. Corey, welcome. Hello. Hi. It's uh, wonderful to have you here. Thank you for, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Should we cheers? Start Let's, it off right. Absolutely. A little rosé on the <laughs> Already. Not right, on the, right on the equipment. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Mm. It'll make it through. I actually purposely bought all waterproof equipment. <laughs> did you actually? No. I mean, that would be good. I would be surprised if you did. You could um, take a champagne bottle and spray it all over this place. Everything was water. I mean, true. You never know who you'll have. Right. Right. Like when we have like our 100th episode, we'll be like, what? Celebrate. Everything we'll have to put Ziploc bags over everything. (laughs) So glad that you're here. We also did not coordinate to wear animal print, but we are, and it's really fabulous. Um, well, because we're besties. Yeah, I know. Like we were in tuned. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about it. Yeah, and I haven't seen you. You've been in Vancouver quite a bit. I went to Vancouver for Mother's Day. Honestly, it was all just personal, and WestJet had like the craziest sale I'd ever seen, so I just booked it. It was honestly the cheapest return flight to Vancouver I'd ever found. It was two fifty all in. Return. Oh my god, that yeah. is a steal! So I was like, "Let's just go back for Mother's Day." Oh, that's so nice. It was. It was lovely. How long did you stay? I stayed for two weeks. Oh, yeah, very nice. Great. But as an actor, you can't plan anything ever. So I was kind of convinced that either I wasn't going to be able to go, or I was going to have to like fly back early. But it worked out. The Grow- universe let me stay for two yeah. weeks. Growing up in Vancouver, did you snowboard or ski or get it? I did not. Oh. I'm not like an nice. anomaly. Oh all my of God. my girlfriends and like people I grew up with, it's like they all like hiked and like would go to Whistler. But yeah, I just honestly, I started singing and acting really early and I just wanted to do that. Yeah. Like legit. Like I think I was eight when my mom put me in my first musical. Like. Oh, I wow. was like young. I was yeah. in my first professional musical by the time I was 11. Like, I literally grew up being like singing and acting and dancing. Like, it's all I know. Yeah. Wow. That's Amazing. so sweet. I think of um, getting my daughter into, you know, dance and all that different stuff. And it's just, uh, I think it's, a, it's something so great. so great and beneficial. Yeah. I started when I danced when I was like, as you know, small child at three and a half. But dance was what I did all through, like, until I was 13. And it really taught me, like, resilience, discipline, like, just all so many things that I still use in my daily life from what I learned in dance. I think, too, for um, young girls and boys, being confident in your body, you know, it's just one of the other ways that you really learn how to be aware of your body and how to move it and all that stuff, which is so important. Yeah. And it it helps if you can find something that is really, you know, fun cardio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was (laughs) like a fun cardio discovered early is a is a nice uh, tailwind. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and kids have so much energy. So it's like 
Send them to dance mm-hmm. class. And yeah. Like, or soccer or whatever they, you know, gravitate to. Uh-huh. And it also helps you deal with your emotions. Because I remember being like, I don't want to dance anymore. And my mom would be like, no, you're going. <laughs> One, I paid for it. And two, you enjoy this. And you have to work through whatever is like this challenging thing that you need to do. And mm-hmm. I found that just even like the way that I I walk, I feel like it's like I've learned in dance is like, she you know, dancer. She dancer. Yeah. <laughs> like, hold your shoulders back and totally, you know, it's a delicate balance too. I think with parents and kids, like with dance and mm-hmm. whatever to like be the right amount of supportive, but not like overly supportive. Cause I actually think that if my mom's super pushed me more I probably would have rebelled at some point mm-hmm. and like I don't want to do it because you want me to you know <laughs> what I mean but my mom and dad were like the perfect amount of like if you want to do it if you love it then like do it with everything you have and I was like, okay yeah let's do that yeah that's great I think that you, you know you want to be exposed to things but you don't want to be but you don't want it promoted by the people who will make you f- feel like it's lame <laughs> you know yes so you yeah. got to walk that fine line well and if your parents tell you it's super cool then it's kind of lame at a certain yeah. age right yeah oh yeah you know especially in your like early teens mm-hmm. you want to rebel and be your own person. the best thing for you is dance you're like oh man and i'm done, I'm done. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely i went through that <laughs> so you went through high school in vancouver yes yep i moved to toronto in 06, when I got a lead role in a TV series called Instant Star that aired on CTV. And I mean, the cool. story is long from kind of where I started in terms of like professional music theater to then when I moved for um, the role was Karma was the character on uh, the TV show Instant Star. But it was honestly all because of my singing, how, you know, my first album had kind of done well. I met Stephen Stone at the Junos the year I was nominated. He asked me if I'd ever done any acting, which I had. Mm-hmm. He's like, you should audition for this TV show. I, you know, I'm one of the producers on. And literally within like two weeks, I was in Stephanie Gorin, who is the casting director of the TV show's, you know, office auditioning. And everything just kind of happened. And honestly, you know, it was it was all meant to be because I honestly grew up thinking I was going to be like J-Lo or like <laughs> Madonna. I never thought acting was going to be like my main thing. I always thought singing was for so many years. But then literally the year I got Instant Star, I feel like it was a huge shift in my life and like acting became yeah. my main priority. So yeah, that's why I moved. And you moved by yourself. Yeah. Though your parents. Yeah, I moved by myself. I remember looking at apartments. I moved to Jane and Bloor, a little, a little bachelor apartment right beside the subway. Because I was like, oh, I think it would be cool if I lived right beside the subway, which it was. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And super convenient. So amazing to be right at the subway. They shipped my car out from Vancouver, which was even like I had like a whole new lease on life. I was like, I have a car. I've got like an apartment on my own. It was like, yeah, it was like I literally a whole new life started for me. It was June. I remember June 1st. Wow. I moved. That's so that cool. apartment. Yeah. And you sh- started filming like right away? Like the next month, wow. July, I started shooting. Had, you, had you been to Toronto already or was that the first time? So when I started doing music like full time, like as a recording artist, um, 
I had come to Toronto a few times. Um, the first, first time I ever came to Toronto, like on the music side, I'd been nominated for, it was like an indie award and I'd come for the indie awards. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, the shopping is so amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I remember saying, they put me, the label I was signed to at the time put me literally in Yorkville in like a fancy hotel room. Oh, and I remember getting great. in a cab being like, I want to go shopping on Queen Street. Like drop me off on, on like a cool block. And they took me to Queen and Spadina. Oh. Which I was like, interesting, but I was like in heaven. I was yeah, like, but even this. like back then, there was so many, like there was a lot of like cool stores around there. Yeah. And like, if you were at Queens, but I know you can go either way and you'd be, you could walk yeah. to the Eaton Center. You could like go the other way. And I bought a lot of random things. <laughs> I thought, I was like, oh, this is the life. I was like, I've made it, guys. I'm shopping at Queen and Spadina. <laughs> and that first album that you did, mm -hmm. did you write all that album? Yeah. So, oh gosh, I don't want to. Bore <laughs> you with my millions of no, stories. I've lived nine yeah. lives. I really have. That's why you're wearing the cat. Uh, so, <laughs> wow. like, how do I condense this? Yeah. So, I wrote all of that first album. I really, because back then, like, oh two, oh three, like, artists were really still like doing demos and sending them to major labels. Like yeah. that's how like people were getting signed. Indies were more of a new thing at that time. You know, labels were still spending money. Yeah. They still had like, money to spend. It was like right yeah. on the cusp because Napster had already come out. Yeah. So it was already the decline. Yeah. Like it, it was still kind of in that old school mentality. So I had done a demo. I'd written like three or four songs and I'd sent it around to all the majors. And like Canada doesn't have like the majors like the States did. You know, back then it was really like... Universal or Sony. Yeah. Like yeah. those were like the two main players. So I remember an AR had called me from Universal here. Uh, it was Click, David Click Cox. Uh, and he's still, you know, doing his thing now. I love him. But uh, he was oh, yes, the urban AR. Sure I know him. Yeah. He was the urban AR at Universal back in like 04, 03. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking it was such a big deal. I was like, oh my God, an AR is calling me. But literally, he just called to be like, I want to keep in touch with you. Like, I like what you're doing, but like, you know, we just want to, you know, watch what's going on. But like, you know, there is a little interest. And I was like, oh, oh and wow. like, no one, no one bit, like, no one wanted to sign me. I even remember because I was sending packages to like American majors too. And I literally remember this one label, I won't say who it was, said, we'll never sign an Asian female to sing pop R&B. It's uh, never been what? done before because it hadn't really yeah. back then. Like it literally, I was breaking barriers where yeah. I, in my brain, I was, was like, like, I'm just fucking me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and like coming, coming from Vancouver, like there was a lot of half Asians, you know? Yeah. I mean? Even with acting, when I first started acting, when I was like 11, my acting agent, again, a very big acting agent, won't say his name, was like, you'll never go for leads because you're not Caucasian. Yeah. Wow. Like, oh it's so God. crazy how things have changed so much, yet we're still in the same place at the same time. Like, we have evolved. Oh, he changed my name. Corey Lee's not my real name. Most people know this. Yeah. Because my real last name's German. He was like, you're not German in casting. Mm -hmm. You'll never go for a German role. Yeah. You're right. only going to go for Asian roles. So what's your mother's maiden name? Yeah. I was like, Lee. You know, because I was. <laughs> my grandfather went through the same thing going to university. 
Yeah. It's just like, it just was what it was. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even feel any type of way about it. Like, it's just, you know, casting did, you know, want the name to reflect what the person looked like. I I get it. You know what I mean? That's just what the standard was at the time. I mean, that agent would have been fired if, if he had said that to me now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That won't fly now. I mean, he's retired. I, he's retired, actually. Yeah, it's so. cancelable. It's, yeah, he, yeah. Well, then that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. So I don't even remember what your question was. I feel like I'm just rambling. Oh, yeah. No, so you wrote so that, you I, wrote written, that for I had done and, a demo. And, and you're sending out a CD. I'm sending out a CD. And like a handwritten note. Yeah. To, with a cover different- letter. Wow. Saying, hey, my name's Corey Lee. You know, I'm from Vancouver. You know, blah, 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 blah. And Universal was kind of interested. They said they were going to like watch me. And basically nothing happened. Like for like two years, I was like writing a bunch of different songs and like sending out packages. You know, we would call them packages. Where are you recording them? And do you so, play guitar? You're recording it with a guitar? No, no, no. So at the time back then in Vancouver, again, um, I've lived so many lives. So I was in a girl group actually for like okay. five years before I embarked on Corey Lee. I didn't even know this solo about you. artist. Yeah, we got we were signed to a Vancouver label. What? We had a single come out called Can You Satisfy? Anyway, so <laughs> one wow. great thing about me being in this Racy for girl group that, yeah. that age. Yeah. We were called Risque. Oh, R I S dash K. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, well, it, it sounds like it was. Yeah. I mean, we weren't really. When I think back, I mean, we oh. weren't. No, we all were young. We all were Asian. Yeah. So that was like our shtick, I guess. Anyway, so <laughs> the great thing about being in the girl group is, A, I learned a lot. I performed all over the Lower Mainland. We even did some shows like in other Canadian cities. But I met kind of the top of the top in terms of like pop, R&B producers at the time in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there really was only two or three heavy hitters. You right. Know, hip Joint was like the biggest one at the time. Um, and so when hip the joint. girl group kind of fell through, and here's another story. So Gene Simmons wanted to sign us and give us like what? the craziest American deal, like horrible American deal though. <laughs> we had gotten it looked at by an entertainment lawyer and he literally was like, this deal is fucking crazy. Is this deal from Gene Simmons? Yeah, this probably, from Gene No, Simmons. I know. That's what the entertainment lawyer yeah. says to you. Is yeah, this, yeah. Is this from Gene Simmons? Yeah, it looks like it. looks like it's from We had a meeting with Gene Simmons and we got to go see a Kiss show. Again, I've lived nine lives. So anyway, at the end of the day, the Gene Simmons deal fell through because one of the girls- Did you get to go back backstage at the Kiss show? No. I did not. But then the next morning we went to his hotel and we had a meeting. All the, all the girls and him? Yeah. What was that like? He was definitely wearing a horrible wig. Yeah. She showed me a million dollar bill and told me it could be mine. It was like the, it was like burned into my brain. He's like, if you what? sign with me, I, I will make you a million dollars. He literally took it out of his <laughs> wallet and he's like, there's only a few of these. And yeah, he must, he's got a shtick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a shtick, I'm sure. I mean, I was enamored with him just because I was like, "Oh, American deal!" And like at the time, I was like in high school. Like I was like, "Yeah, he's okay. probably he's done that trick a few times." Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I actually have it, my own Gene Simmons oh my story, okay, which is oh which gosh. is funny. Was he wearing a horrible? Wig? So a couple of years ago, Italia and I were in Los Angeles. Yes, and um, I ended up getting set up in a meeting with him. What? Okay, and we went to his house. Oh, and um. So I'm just making like, you know, having a nice conversation. Okay. And um, I I asked him a question. 
Okay, a question about something that had been answered in a book he had written. Okay, and his response to the question was, "Well, there are books for that." <laughs> okay, yeah. like he didn't even want to answer you. He was like, "He's like, well, there's books, books for that." <laughs> what? Oh my god! I was like, Gene, that's quite quite the answer to a question. You mean like every? You know, I got to make sure all my ans- every question I can ask you, I got to make sure the answers aren't in one of your books. You know, but it was it. At least it was a fun banter, but um, yeah. So I his so that million dollar bill shtick, I can totally see that is the same style of a prepared sort of a higher than shtick yeah, that also, he would give out at the end. He was funny though, and he was very welcoming, and it, yeah, we had no, it, we had a nice time. Nice. But it was just like hilarious. What he also mm. pulled out a credit card with his face on, and it was like a kiss credit card. Yeah, because <laughs> and. Oh, I got one of those. I don't. Know I'm why. sure you can buy yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he showed it to me, but again, it was like a like a, yeah, it was these kind of be you. things we are doing. Yeah. if you want to sign with us, but then yeah, the entertainment lawyer was like he was literally taking like crazy percentages of like literally all of the revenue streams, and and then one of the girls wanted to leave essentially, and the deal fell through. But to answer your question, so then everyone I met. When I was in the girl group, like every producer, music producer in Vancouver at the time ended up working with me on my first album. Mm-hmm. So Amazing. again, right. like everything happens for a reason. Like I definitely was meant to be in the girl group to learn so much about myself and like what kind of artist I wanted to be. And then, yeah, I, I worked with literally everyone we had worked with the girl group on my first album. So again, so going back to the first album, I'm trying to like get the story out. <laughs> no, this is great. All the, all the labels didn't want to sign me. A lot of them were scared. They didn't know exactly how to market this like Asian-y pop R&B young girl from Vancouver. So after about two years and getting essentially all no's, I paid with my own money a radio promoter to put out one of the songs to the radio and it was a gamble it's funny i think about it i was like wow so i paid yeah. this uh big radio promoter because to- you can't get really distribution that's the thing then well you could it just wasn't how things were done back in like mm-hmm. 2004 well you'd have to literally print a ton of cds and go huck them and sell them yeah that's how it distrib- was that's yeah. how it was right yeah, yeah. So the song ended up taking off on the radio. Wow. It was called The Naughty Song. It would end up being my first single from that first album. And a bunch of labels that I was talking with ended up coming back around Mm -hmm. because I had created something for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's really how the first album went. It would go on to have a couple singles that did well on the radio. And it really just like got me out, got me out of Vancouver because definitely at that time, there just wasn't a lot of like pop R&B artists coming from Vancouver. There yeah. was very few and far between. Everything was happening in Toronto. Really, really was. I mean, now it's so funny because like the music industry is just so much different. And there's like a lot of cool shit coming out of Vancouver even urban stuff and definitely some Asians. Yeah. So it's like things have definitely evolved there. So, and literally I got nominated for that Juno from that first album for the song that I paid to go to the radio, the naughty song. Wow. Good for you. And Absolutely. literally at the Junos, I met Stephen Stone, who would be very instrumental in my acting career. Cause not only did he produce instant star, he also produced Degrassi, which I was on 
for numerous seasons. So literally everything, again, happens for a reason. I mean, the Universal, I, it was a joint venture. My next deal was like a joint venture Universal with another indie, which was like one of the worst label experiences of my life. I won't get into that, but not <laughs> Universal, the other label. I literally had to. Did they lock you in for multiple albums? Oh yeah, that was yeah. the deal. And right around that time, these 360 deals started becoming popular mm-hmm. because albums weren't selling. Yeah, because so they're losing money on the album side, so they need to make so it So they were, tour. yeah, they were like, well, take 15% of your touring and your publishing and your merch and the right. blah, 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 blah. So I was stuck to, I call her the crazy lady. I won't say her name. I mean, anyone in the music industry around that time that knew me knows exactly who I'm talking <laughs> about. But I had to fight legally to get away. And like, it cost me $100,000 at my sanity. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. So that was a whole other life. But honestly, it now, was. Is this, this is you as a solo artist, yes. though, that you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So the first album that you do in Vancouver was still under the Risque group. So we did do an album, okay. Risque, and we ended up putting out a single through. John Dexter, again, he was a he was a major player in Vancouver at the time. Um, and then when the Gene Simmons deal kind of happened, everything fell apart. So we never okay, actually so the, yeah, that and fell apart, you had and the album. And then you went to solo and, I, and then you had the album. Yeah. And then I went into like, let's try and get myself a solo deal. Let's try and do it the okay. way that it was. So then I was sending out the packages, I was sending out the demos. And then at that point, three years later, I'd had literally like 30 songs. So when the naughty song started doing well and like labels kept coming back around, I just chose like the strongest kind of like, I think it was like 12 or 13 songs that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the first album. Okay. Cool. That's literally what the first album was. So when I did the second album. Is it on Apple Music? So I feel like it actually was pulled because, and I actually think my second album was pulled off of like Spotify and Apple not long ago because essentially the first album ended up being, again, a joint venture between this indie and Fontana. Oh, they pulled it. So, well, because the deal was only for, they were going to like promote it and distribute it for like, I feel like it was like five or 10 years or whatever. And then it was done. Right. Right. So they don't have the rights. Right. Same with like my second then deal was this joint venture between an Indian universal. And it's just been so long that like, they just don't have the rights to distribute it anymore. Oh, right. I'm seeing a bunch of your songs on who, Apple Who Music. retains the rights then in that so, situation? So, I mean, because I retained all of my publishing, that was like a big thing for me. So I still own like all my publishing from all of those older songs. But oh, that's good. Technically, like if you want to get into the nitty gritty, like since like Universal and this other indie paid for my second album, they own the masters, mm-hmm. Right. My first album is a whole different situation because I had paid for everything myself. I was literally paying to like make my demo the best it could be. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's like go a different route and let's put out the naughty song. And so I actually own or co-own all those masters. Plus I retained my publishing because it was just such a different, unique like situation. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't signed to a label when I did those songs. Mm -hmm. So again... It, I could talk about it forever. Yeah, no, it's it's all interesting because the, the nuances of it and the bad beats through it, it really offers anybody a tremendous lesson to try and figure out how to get it right because it's not easy. It's messy business. It's music is just you know, very complicated. complicated. Yeah, and I like I I say to anyone like because people ask me all the time like how do I get 
into music or how do I get into acting? And it's like, if there's a contract in front of you, like on the music side, like 100 million trillion percent, get an entertainment lawyer to look at. Yeah. Don't hire your cousin who does like commercial real, real estate. estate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's great and all, but like, yeah, you need you someone need who knows to be that. protected and you need to know like what you're giving up. Because essentially labels are just banks. They're just paying to get shit done and then retaining your masters or whatever. Like, if you can, like, go get a loan from, you know, your grandma. <laughs> if you yeah. can, you know what I mean? Or or now it's so different, different because there's, like, you can have a studio in your basement. Yeah. You can literally do all this stuff. And that's why the music industry is, like, the wild, wild west right now, you know? Like, amazingly talented 16-year-olds from Kentucky or wherever, like some like random small town in the States will have a cool small little setup and like it's good enough to like put stuff out. Or even like Lil Nas X becoming popular on TikTok and then now look. Yeah. You know, like people but putting out music. Look, even if on you look at Billie media. Eilish's early stuff. Well, that's what they did it in pretty her well bedroom. Yeah. Her bedroom stuff. I honestly feel like in that situation, Phineas was the mastermind because she yeah. was so young. Oh, yeah. yeah he's, I a, he's a great producer. Well, that's the thing. I feel like he was like, okay, she can sing. She's got a cool look. She wants to do this. Like, let's do it. Like, let me help you. Mm-hmm. Let's make this happen. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, like that also that that first album is also mixed and mastered by literally one of the like heavyweights. So you right. can't again compare. If it's like, oh, I did it in my house. It's like, yeah, you did, but then you literally yeah, then have you jump. You literally like then like the next step is like the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I could again I could talk about it forever. But yeah, like on the in the music side, it's like so many great artists and producers are just can have nothing. Literally just get you GarageBand on your phone. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. You can literally do something cool. In a way, though, it does bring it back full circle to who's got really the most talent in some respects. Definitely. And yeah. it is a great divide. Like you do see, you know, major label artists that are getting the push. So they are, you know, getting spun on the yes. radio. 30 times a day and you're like, oh my God, like, do I need to hear this, you know, Jack Harlow glamorous song one more Mm -hmm. time? Like I literally heard it 10 times yesterday (laughs) driving and I was like, okay, so I see he's the, he's the breadwinner. the the the, favorite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's getting the push currently Mm -hmm. at this exact moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it does help when you're in that big machine, when they are spending money on your videos, like it, it does help, but you know, so many artists now are just, as we're saying, like coming from nothing and putting something out and going viral, you know, yeah. getting noticed on TikTok or YouTube. Like there's literally like 16 year old girls on YouTube with like millions of views just singing covers. Right. Right. With their guitar. Like literally like, it's like, I tell anyone just start doing shit. Yeah. Start making yeah, just following. Start. Just start. Yeah. Just yeah, Almost the worst thing things. that you can do is just talk about it. Yeah. And not do anything. I call those uh, entrepreneurs. Yes. <laughs> they totally. want, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I've got such a great idea. Okay, yeah. fucking put your money where your yeah. money is. Yeah. Talk about what you've done or what you're doing, not like what you 
Because we all have great ideas. All of us. Yeah, look, like I mean, we talked about this podcast for about two minutes. And then I started started buying stuff, (laughs) stuff, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, that we only, we had the idea to do this. It was in the spring and, you know, it's, we're doing it and I'm really excited. One thing I was going to ask you about is I saw something that you posted the other day that was um, Jojo and she's doing this. Oh, yeah. She's singing a song and she's kind of like, make talk- your shit go viral and then maybe we'll support it. I was like, yes, because major labels, they don't want to spend the money unless you have some shit happening. Yeah. So like that week, I feel like it was like Halsey or something had basically talked about the label was like, yeah, go viral. And then we'll like put some more money into the mm-hmm. single because it's. Ha- that's how it is, you know, because yeah, labels well, don't risks it for them. Too. Well, they just Big don't time. have the money, so they're like, do your own promotion, like get your own shit popping, and then like maybe we'll like promote it, like, and then JoJo, because I love JoJo, she's like one of my favorite artists. I, I fuck with JoJo heavy. <laughs> she put out that TikTok, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, she was literally. She even said like, yeah, put out a sex tape, and then you know maybe that'll do the trick. But it's true. That's the crazy thing. You know, we, when we think of even like the biggest reality show of our time, yeah, the absolutely. Kardashians, like we all know how that started. Yeah. And yes, they had money and yes, they had influence to, to, to begin with. And that obviously helps. But literally Kim Kardashian really got catapulted out there because she put out a sex tape. Yeah. Like. Fame yeah, it's, doesn't it's sex mean tape and and willing to really bear every single skeleton in your family's closet on a TV show. Yeah. And yeah. and not shy away from sharing anything. If you know combine those two. Now they're the for, they're fortunate they have a very uniquely complicated family which is True. Which, but that makes know, it more interesting. It's hyper to interesting, watch. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I watch it. I like it. I watch yeah. it. I got Disney Plus just so I could watch right. it. Well, that's why and they pay them so much money. Today. I watched yeah. it this morning. I watched yeah. it this morning. Last night at midnight. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I watched it. This you got me beat. No spoilers. You know. No. But, <laughs> uh, that is. But they are interesting because they are full of drama. And to be honest, who knows what's real, what's yeah. not, and does it really matter? It we doesn't enjoy matter. Watching but it. I, you know, my hunch is a lot of it is real. Mm-hmm. Because in the sense that- I mean, it has to spur from something real. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, she was married to Kanye West. Obviously, they had kids. Like, there's certain points that you can't fake. But mm-hmm. when you watch each episode, it's, it's kind of like- Yeah, tapped. it's tapped it's in directions like, that, that yeah. make it more appealing exactly. and interesting. It's like yeah. dramatized real. Like, it's like, it's this much is real, maybe, but they kind of like- Light it on fire, make it a little more exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They totally they just put gasoline on the problems that are already going down. So, what was Instant Star all about? So, Instant Star, what? Which is why it was actually ahead of its time. I bet it was because Sounds it like was it's a like musical a American Idol in some respects. It was so basically Stephen Stone. Um, not only was he a TV producer, he is and was a entertainment lawyer, and he was the entertainment lawyer not only for the Junos, but for Canadian Idol. So oh, his, okay. he thought of this scripted television show. He's like, why don't we make a show that essentially follows the contestants after they win or don't win or whatever. So Instant Star was actually based on Canadian Idol, okay. but it was a scripted show. Okay. And Alex Johnson, who was the lead in the first season, wins Instant Star. 
So then every season after, someone new wins. So my character came in and won the third season. Okay, so this is a scripted show. scripted show. Okay. About, basically... Teenagers. Teenagers. uh, Like, competing in a reality show. Right. Right. And then following, like, their careers afterwards. So, and then, like, obviously... It kept following the, the people that had won. So it wasn't yeah. just, I mean, Alice Johnson was definitely the lead and it like followed her arc the, the most. And like my character was like a diva. Like she was willing to do anything to just to get famous, you know, which was amazingly fun to play. So but, when you give that, when you get given the role of that character, does it come with a, a, a synopsis on that character? Like, d- d- does it come with, okay, this girl's a diva. Blah, blah, blah. Like, what, what comes to you as the person receiving the package of, or do they just award, like, walk so you through that? So, with yeah. Instant Star, it was very unique, I would say, in terms of, like, a lead role, because they were looking for someone that could actually sing and act at the same time. Right. So, I did audition. You know, I auditioned for Stephanie Gorin, but... They were just about to start ramping up writing the third season. So once they found me, they wrote the role for me. Oh, amazing. Which I guess I don't know if I've ever really talked about. But usually, like as an actor, when you are auditioning for a role, they send what they call the breakdown of the character. So it'll be like, Kat is a doctor who, you know, has a hard time with her relationship with, you know, Dr. John because they used to date. Like literally, there'll be like a little breakdown of like, what the character is. So that really does help you in terms of when you're preparing the role. Sometimes they give you a really crappy breakdown. It'll just be like, she is a doctor at the clinic. And you're like, tell me more about her. It's like, okay, so, but like, is she nice? Is she mean? Like, give me something. Mm -hmm. Some sort of personality trait. Like, that's what I like some, you know, to go on. Right. Yeah. So usually, yes. To answer your question, you get a breakdown of the character, but I did not for the role of Karma on Instant Star. Okay. Okay. So then are you singing the songs in studio and then overdubbing them live with just, you know? Yes. So what was so great about Instant Star, because Stephen Stone was so connected in the music industry, He And he had come from Canadian Idol and Canadian Idol, what they would do with like the winners or the final three, they would do songwriting camps and they would bring together these like big songwriters who would write a bunch of songs. And then like the best ones for like the top few people would get chosen. So that's what he did with Instant Star. He would do at the beginning of every season, these songwriter camps with huge heavy heavy hitter songwriters that literally are still killing it today. Like Rob Wells was one of the big songwriters on instant star and he's still like slaying it to this day and so when i got the role for uh karma on instant star i was actually invited to the songwriting session like week i remember and a bunch of the songs that were written that week ended up being karma's songs i will be the flame was like one of karma's like main singles and um it was written that week and i even was there to sing the demo Wow. Oh, wow. And so, what studio did you then record it in in Toronto? Oh, gosh. We did a, a bunch. But um, that specific song, um, we ended up recording at this 
producer slash mixer. His name is Christopher Anderson, who I actually have used for my own music. Christopher because Anderson. He's done a lot. Again, uh, he's, yeah. he's just like— I think that's um, one of Talia's closest friends, Amy Dodds' brother. Probably. Oh. Yeah, I think it is. So he's got like a <laughs> legit amazing home studio, and I ended up recording a bunch of songs for Instant Star at that studio, and that's how I met him. And actually, when I was doing some like Corey Lee music after Instant Star, I used him as well to record and mix. I even just used him like recently because in one of the movies that I'm in that's coming out at Christmas, I was asked to write a Christmas song. And just because I know Christopher Anderson is like, you know, one of the leaders of his game and he does a lot of music for TV and film, I got him. I went there, recorded it, and I got him to mix it and master it for me. Awesome. So like literally still to this day, connections that I made like doing Instant Star, like I still use now. And Stephen Stone was my entertainment lawyer for many years because I love him and I trust him and I know he's not going to dig me around. <laughs> and how many seasons were you on that? So I was on for two seasons. Instant Star went for four seasons. So the first season was you like competing? I wasn't in the first season. No, I no, no. The first season that, that you, you were on yes. was like a competing season. So I literally win the competition At in- the end of No, the- in oh. like the first episode. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Of the, okay. of the third season. And um, I ended up winning it, singing one of like Alex Johnson's characters' big songs too, which we ended up having kind of like a feud most of that so season. So they basically filmed that like a music video, like in yes. terms of the song part. It's filmed like a music exactly. video. Exactly. You're, you're, you're exactly like a music video. Okay. You're, you're essentially just singing over top the recording. Your recording. Because track. we'd already recorded all the music right. beforehand. Well, so you're basically singing a duet with yourself. <laughs> essentially, basically. yeah. And I mean, even when I would perform live a lot, because when you're a solo artist, like when you record the song, there's literally like 10 of you, obviously. So you literally just end up singing over your background vocals. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's essentially the same karaoke vibes. <laughs> Your own karaoke. Well, you sing over your own harmonies. Yeah, you sing yeah. exactly. You sing over your own backup vocals, and that's what I would do. So cool. you 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 did those two seasons. Yeah. What was the second season like? So the first I, season's you as the winner, and then yeah. what's the second, the next season like? So actually, they focused more on me my last season, which was season four, because I ended up marrying. <laughs> Alex Johnson's ex-boyfriend. Oh my god! In the show, and then she it like a diva. <laughs> and then it like followed us because again, my character wasn't motivated by anything but fame and money. So she ends up selling a reality show to like an MTV type network. Again, all fake, fictitious <laughs> about her marriage with Speederman, which was the character. <laughs> so it actually followed us right through this like fake reality show. I need to watch this. This is all filmed in Toronto? Yeah, it shot at <laughs> Epitome, which was the production company. They had a full-on studio, like um, Eglinton and Victoria Park. It's also a yeah. grassy oh, yes, shot. I've been there. They sold the building a few years ago, and I literally went and like shed tears outside of it. Oh, I remember watching you go there. Yeah. Just because I'd spent so many years in the building, and I was like, the fact that it's like not a film studio anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's so sad. I shot a music video there too, actually. Cool. One of my music videos, fashion show. Oh, I is, love that one. Which is a hot uh, tip. A I hot. don't know if I've, I've really talked about that either, but you can tell it's in the Degrassi back lot. I was on Degrassi at the time and they essentially rented it to me for peanuts. So the video looks magical. 
because the production value is so high, but literally Steven Stone and Linda let me rent the studio for like the lowest fee ever. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I know. Yeah. So instant star raps. Yes. And um, are you, do you have a moment between that and your next acting project to think about singing or, or what happens so, next? When Instant Star ended, oh gosh, uh, so many things to say. Was right when I was in the middle of my like legal battle to try and get away from my crazy lady manager, music manager. Oh, so that was actually manager. You're caught with a manager that yeah. has you. So how does that con- how you caught with her? What's the contract oh, catching gosh. you with that? Oh, I don't. I don't really want to like Not the specifics, but like how does the manager? what are you trying to get released from a number of albums? Yeah. I don't, I don't, they wanted to option me for another album with her at the helm. And I was like, I'm literally, Oh, okay. So your contract with them, they had an option. Yeah. And they, they were about, they wanted to exercise it. They told me. And so then I hired. Okay. So you're caught with I'm caught in the, in the crossfires and I knew I couldn't continue or I would literally lose my marbles. Right. So that was actually the year after Instant Star ended was like a low year, a low Corey Lee year. Because mm-hmm. in my brain, too, I thought like, oh, I'm coming off a lead off a series. Like, I'm going to work all the time. Like, I've like established myself as a lead on a series, but like, no. Mm-hmm. The acting world is just so crazy. Like, you can be crazy busy for years and then literally have like. Crickets. A, yeah. Like a year of like barely anything. Right. I mean, did I work? Yes. Like I had some small roles on a few things, but like nothing at all. Like I remember I had to go get a part-time job and like Instant Star was literally still airing and like oh, people man. would recognize me every day, all day. Oh my God, don't you play Carmelo on Instant Star? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, me too. And because I'd spent everything. I'd I'm researching s- a role now. <laughs> I'd spent everything I'd saved to get to get away basically in this legal battle to yeah. spend on the entertainment lawyer. So that year was a really low year for Corey Lee. <laughs> and uh, then essentially the next big thing I ended up doing was Degrassi, which was the same producers. And that ended up kind of coming around because that year Degrassi went to much music. Okay. Yes, that was the that's year when I worked there and I worked with Abby to like talk about the yeah. show. And much music mandated to Degrassi that they wanted one or two like notable music related actors. Mm-hmm. And so I remember getting a call from my agent. Shout out Barb Godfrey, yes. parent management. She's literally been my agent since 2007. She calls me and she's like, so I just got an interesting call from a pity. <laughs> Barb, love you. And I was like, I was like, okay, yeah. I, like, I had no idea. And they were like, so they have you in mind for a teacher role on Degrassi. And I was like, literally my heart like went to the floor being like, I literally was like, yes. Just yes. Because A, I knew everyone in the building. Same crews and right. same stars, same producers. It would be like coming home mm-hmm. it was like so much more than just the role mm-hmm. so she was like so they're sending your stuff to network and we're like gonna wait and like we probably won't know for like a week or two and i was like uh okay oh my god I was wow like, okay and then i remember specifically it was valentine's day ish had taken me my husband his name ish i mean you know ish very yeah. well 
um, had taken me to Niagara Falls. Nice. Because he asked me what I wanted for Valentine's Day. And I was like, let's go like to a winery. I love wine. We love wine. <laughs> and I wanted a coach purse. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Here, you can top me up too. <laughs> so I wanted him to buy me a coach purse. Thank you, Casey. At the Niagara Falls outlet. Yeah. This is what I wanted. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fun. This was 2010. Yeah, there it is. Well, yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah. Not, this, not this one. I still have it though. Um, and Barb called me and I remember we had just come out of the coach outlet and Ish had just bought me a purse. We'd already gone and gotten like a bunch of wine at Jackson Triggs because I love Jackson Triggs mm-hmm. is one of my favorite uh, wineries in Niagara. And she's like, so they've offered you the role. And I literally pulled like a baby. Oh, I bet. How much longer was this after the Instant Star? It was happened? over. Oh. Um, Thank you, Casey. So Instant Star ended. Like, I think I shot, it was 06, 07. And then this would have been 2010. So this was like a couple okay. years later. And like, I felt like those years in between were really... I really grinded it out. Like, that's when I feel like I actually really learned the acting grind the most. Like, I was always an actor. I started acting really young. But, like, to really be on the acting grind. Plus, I'd really been disheartened by the music industry. So, I was like, fuck music. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw myself into acting full time. Mm -hmm. Which I did. And, you know, I felt like those were the years I paid my dues. You know? So, it had been a couple years. And then... And then, yeah, then they offered me Degrassi. And again, they wrote the character for me because they wanted someone like that had like a a music background to be on the show because it was now going to be on much music. It had come from CTV. And it was also the year they moved to digital. So the order doubled. Oh, right. So more episodes. More episodes. Yeah. So um, it was a blast. It was amazing. I loved my time on Degrassi. And yeah, to get that phone call from your agent, like, so they've offered you the role and they're offering you four season option. Like those are the, those are your like dream calls. And I'm a big manifester. Yes, I know. Uh, And one of the, one of the best ways to manifest um, is to like relive a day where like, it was just like a perfect day. All the right things were in place and really like live, relive those emotions. Cause when you like relive the emotions, you like invite more of the same emotions. So that actually That's the beautiful. moment where Barb called me to tell me I got the roles, one of my manifesting days to go going back and reliving that moment. Cause not only was I in Niagara about to drink wine, <laughs> I was to celebrate Valentine's day with my husband. I mean, we weren't married at the time. New purse. But yeah. New purse. <laughs> exactly. And then literally like me, Literally crying, bawling my eyes out at the Niagara outlets in front of the coach store. Like, <laughs> it's just magical. It's like everything, everything. Yeah, that's just really aligned. wonderful. Yeah, it, it was a great, great moment. And yeah, it's in my top manifesting days to go back and relive. And you're, pl- you're playing a teacher? I was a teacher. Yeah. I was like a sassy teacher. Yeah. Ended up having like an affair with one of the kids. No, wow. You've had quite a few sassy career moments as we're talking about this. Yeah, yeah. You know, risque and this and, you know. Well, it's interesting too because, you know, there are stereotypes with ethnicities like in acting. And like when you're Asian, either you're really smart or you're really sexy. It's kind of like the two main stereotypes, like in terms of roles, especially like back. You know. I could think of some other ones that would be worse. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> smarter, sexy, not. But I mean, like, I've played yeah. quite a few hookers. Yeah. Mm. I know. 
Corey Lee has been a few hookers. I'm saying. <laughs> but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, as an actor, like, if it's a substantial role and, like, it challenges me, like, I'm, in, I'm into it. So yeah. I, I wasn't mad at the hookers. I mean, it got a lot when I felt like I was going for a lot at a certain point, but I feel like I've kind of aged myself out of the hookers. And then what's that deal like? They, they, then you get the paperwork mm-hmm. and you run that. And it's not, it, you know, you see, it's a bit different than the music because you're more, you're happy if they take that option. They have you on the next season and the next season and the next season yes. versus getting caught in an, in a multi-album deal where you don't have the confidence that the first album is going to be exactly the experience you want. Whereas on that show, they've got enough history there where you, and you know the group. Yeah, yeah. That I, you're happy, you're comfortable. Oh, yeah. It was everything I that. wanted. Yeah. I wanted you're, you're to be comfortably locked for, into that deal. Yeah. Well, because I knew they had my best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Where, like, to go back to the option on the music situation that I was talking about, I knew it was going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. I knew it was not going to be anything I wanted and that the lady was going to want me to work with producers I didn't want to work with and really have like a lot of control over me, which is not what I wanted. Well, from her specifically. Mm-hmm. So it was like such night and day options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you end up doing the whole, the first season that you were on with Degrassi. Yeah, I did all, I did and all four options. I did all four you seasons. You did all four seasons. Yeah, yeah. They kept, they kept bringing me back, baby. Amazing. <laughs> so that first, the first season that you were on, mm-hmm. um, do you get every episode for the season or do you get like, do they give you a couple episodes? So what happens work? usually with like scripted episodic television is they write like a few episodes at a time. So then you'll end up doing like a table read and like the way Degrassi worked is we block shot um numerous episodes at one time so okay you'll like like, batch them yeah exactly and a lot of television works like that just because it's it's quicker it's easier Mm -hmm. and like especially with Degrassi like they know they're going to be in the gym every episode so like on this date you know they're going to shoot all the gym scenes Mm -hmm. from episode you know Four or five and six oh, or whatever. Okay. So will you shoot, will you go there for a couple of days and get done all of your scenes yes. for three episodes? Exactly. So oh, that's that nice. That was actually. So when, you're on for little pockets and then you have a bit of time. Yes. Off. So when I was on Degrassi, I was actually like, I felt like it was my time to come back on the music side. So I actually was like the perfect combination of essentially working what I would call part-time on a series because they would shoot all my stuff like boom, boom, boom. And then I wouldn't be in for like two or three weeks. Right. Oh, that much time you'd have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because oh, that's really nice. Because my character taught like two specific classrooms. So like right. you, usually I would- You're tied to a set. I'm tied, You're tied to, to the set. It's the not school. like you pop up out I mean, of the I school. did. My character definitely did. Not routinely though. But not, not popping not, up at the mall. No, I'm not know? popping up at the mall. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, that's quite nice. So like- it So was it's like, like when they're on set at that school in that room slash gym or whatever, it's like, yes. those are your call days. Yeah, exactly. And I you're knew, packed into that. I knew if they were going to shoot in the school set, like there was a chance I could be there because, you know, I was also in the hallway because, you know what I mean? Oh, that's like, a great groove. My, so you're in basically like a full-time, from an actor's perspective, yeah. it's like you got a full-time job. It's really not 
full time. No, it wasn't full time for me. But that was how also how Degrassi was. They never really focused on one person for too long, mm-hmm. which I think was one of their secrets to success. Because yes. they, they were get able to like to anybody. Yeah, they were able to like evolve with like lots of different characters. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they never focused on one no. person, like a lead. Like how Instant Star was like solely no. focused right. around Alex Johnson. Like Degrassi was never like that. Like, yeah, every season they'd have maybe like 10 kids that they'd focus on like the most. Right. But they weren't the mercy of any cast member. No, they Anybody never could were. Anybody could <laughs> they, they always had them graduate. I don't know if you, yeah. like, if you're a Degrassi fan, you 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 know there was, like, different incarnations of Degrassi the next generation because every, say, four or five years, they would have those kids actually graduate mm-hmm. and be gone mm-hmm. and introduce new kids. Yeah. So just like as everyone always is like, oh, Drake, 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 because obviously Drake was on uh, the Degrassi next generation. He was on the very beginning. His character had graduated before my character came, right. like, onto the scene. Mm-hmm. So... Like Miss O, which was my character, never, never taught, taught him. Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jimmy. So, like, Jimmy. I never, but ironically, like, when Instant Star was shooting, because Instant Star and Degrassi shared the same studios, the same production company, same producers, I definitely met Drake numerous times because Degrassi would be shooting when he was on it and at the same time that Instant Star was. Oh. He didn't start that show in a wheelchair, or did he? I feel, I'm pretty sure he got start? shot and then ended up in the wheelchair. Oh, shoot it. I'm pretty sure. Oh. Degrassi fans will come for me, I'm sure, yeah, right now. They're all like, how do you not know? But My sister and I were an extra on Degrassi, yeah. Next Generation, yeah, for yeah, one day. I heard about you. What year? <laughs> um, it probably was 2000 and... Would have been... Would I have been there? Seven? Okay, yeah, I know. That would have been Instant Star, Eight. actually. Instant Star was 2007. Oh, what oh. trouble did you get up to? On I was set? a lesbian and I held hands with a girl and walked across the bar. I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I should, had really short hair at the time. We so should I, find this. We should, should find air it. this clip right now. Somebody find yeah, it. Yeah, you should find Play that. the tape. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Well, Nelson and I were actually talking about how I met Ish because I was, that takes me back you to my- You met Ish first. That makes, takes me back to my acting career. You met uh, Ish first. Which was a background. Me. Your summer of acting. Yeah. Well, I did. I, that's all I was did. Was it American Pie? Yes. Ish and I were both um, part of the uh, the background actors on American Continuity. Pie 5. So you did like- Yeah. We did- like- 10, 15 days. Yeah, like it was like over a summer. It went for like July and August. And we had like, we'd get bussed up to Richmond Hill to this like mansion. We'd hang out. We all hung out in background, um, background holding. And we'd be like, we'd sit there for two hours. Then we'd go to set for 15 minutes. And then we'd come back. And then we'd go to set for 15 minutes. And then they'd have like, yeah, like. It was it was a really, really fun summer. Which American Pie was? Oh, it was. American Pie Beta House. Beta so House. I think five. Well, what's even crazier is so when I first started mm-hmm. acting in Vancouver, my agent at the time was like, oh, you should do some background to like see if you really like being mm-hmm. on set. So like literally for like a couple of years, I did like full time background in Vancouver when I was like working on like my music stuff. So when Ish, so when Ish and I met, 
in 06. Actually, our 16-year anniversary is this month. Wow. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, have plans for it? Going he's actually on set that day yeah. shooting a movie right now. So it's all good, though. I mean, we're like a happy old married couple. So yeah. we'll go for a fancy dinner like a few days so, later. Yeah, but yeah, Ish had just come back from New York when we met. And I had just moved here for Instant Star. Um and he's like, oh, I need to make some money. And I was like, oh, you're, you must be union because we obviously had talked. He's like, yeah, I'm full union. I was like, go do background. So he, that was his, like, one of his first background gigs because I told him to go do background. <laughs> yes, and that's amazing. And I didn't, like, I didn't know but much about him, but we all hung out because we there was, like, the, um, he was uh, union, like, actor on, yeah. like, my sister and I weren't, but we were like, we kind of got put in with the things that the actor kids got put in because we were like, well, you probably were featured. Yeah, we were you featured. Were continuity or featured. Whatever. So yeah. we were like the, um, like the babes that hung out with like the yes. beta, beta house people. Wow. So we, what, um, why you two were featured. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, we had so much fun. And there's yeah. like a bunch of people that were on that set that <laughs> summer that we still know and like yeah. portray. Patricia Jagernoth, who's yeah, on, yeah. does the CP two four. CP two two four. She was on there too, and yeah. like um, there's another guy, Femi Lawson, and like he was on there, and he's like doing amazing now. And Megan it, Heffern, who's a yes. fellow actor, who I keep in. I literally just saw her in Vancouver when I was there. Yeah, she, she was, was on, on there. The Samp was on that. Yes, who oddly I've worked with since as well. Like it's like it's one. It big, was just this like small. um and like Harv. Yeah, Harv, Harv is like directed a bunch of Drake music produced, directed a bunch of Drake music videos done. Honestly, he's done so many amazing things. He was also a producer on that movie. So it was like this magical Sounds moment. Like a lot of fun. In a talented frat or whatever. Yeah, it and it was, and <laughs> Eugene Levy was on set for one day. What? Well, that's what's so crazy about background. It's all creatives, <laughs> right? Like even when I think back of like when I did my full-time background, so many people have gone on to do like massive things. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have turned into like full-time actors, yeah. producers, music people. Like it's, you know, creatives are creatives. So yeah, that was a really fun time. Yeah. Ish had a really good time too. And you have a couple movies coming out. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know. Yes, yes. Um, wow. I feel like we've gone through so many random periods in my life. Yes. So in COVID, I have been blessed. I have worked a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, like cheers. Cheers again. This time I won't spill. Um, yeah. Like right now I've got six MOWs that so MOW is, is a movie of the week. So it's yeah. a movie shot for a television channel. So like a lifetime or a Hallmark. I hey, love watching Hallmark. Thanks for the acronym help. Well, with that one. No, I know, I know. I don't know. Ask me that all the time just because yeah. it's like a standard term I mean, in like acting. In acting, but I mean. Love those Hallmark movies. Yeah, I I mean, I get so excited when <laughs> I do. watch the W Network. I'm like, I'm Corey Lee. And I like post. And then also, bunch, like, <laughs> there's been times where it's like Corey Lee is in a movie and then Ish is also in yeah. a movie on like, you know, City TV or something. And I'm like, I'm so yeah. obsessed. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I have a bunch Proud of movies. Friend. Yeah. A bunch of MOWs about to come out. Awesome. Including my first lead, which was kind of like everything I was working up towards and obviously felt beautiful and monumental. And Great. another day that I relive in my manifestation days when Barb called me to tell me that I got that role. What's that movie called? It's called Baking All the Way. Okay. It's awesome. going to be on Lifetime this Christmas. Awesome. And I have a 
brand new Corey Lee original tune, Christmas tune in it. Oh, great. As I was talking about that Chris Anderson, who also recorded me on Instant Star, recorded me for that and mixed it. It's, you know. Where was it shot? It was shot in Hamilton. A lot of MOW shoot in Hamilton just because it's cheaper to shoot. And in COVID, the first things that kind of came back when things were green lit again were like lower budget mm-hmm. stuff because, you know, crews had to be a smaller size. Right. You have as many actors on set. You had to obviously follow a lot more precautions. So, you know, bigger budget, like American television actually took a little longer to like come back. Like when everything shut down initially. Now it's all back and filming was deemed essential. So like, even if we were to say lockdown again, like filming won't lock down. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't nice. know that. Yeah, yeah. It was deemed essential when it got greenlit again in like the last week of July of 2020. Oh, yeah. Interesting. But it still follows all the COVID rules. Like, yeah. it is kind of odd because like, they're like, we don't care if you're vaccinated anymore. Like when you go to a restaurant or like, mm-hmm. but then on set, you have to like show all the things. You have to get tested every day. So yeah, like. Tighter knitting. Yeah. And like, so Ish and I really live a life of just kind of not seeing a lot of people mm-hmm. when we're working because obviously being like safe is like the utmost. Yeah, you, you can't afford like something to happen and then you're not on the show. You can't, can't go to show. a rave no. and then head to set. <laughs> I mean, you Doesn't could, work. but might not be the might response. not be the wisest of decisions. No. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, being so yeah, so it's weird. Like could. Ish and I don't really go out. Like when we're working. Like, no, that's why we've got the plexi up here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I haven't seen you. We don't even live that far away. I will. I mean, because I, I was, we know we literally live like a few blocks from each other. Yeah. I seen you more than probably most people in COVID though. Yeah. Because we've hung out quite a few times. Yeah. So are the five movies all done by the same production company? No. Different production companies. Oh, so the schedule's just lined up for you. And do they come out around the same time? Uh, So, actually, I can just found out that one of the Christmas movies I shot in December in Ottawa is going to air on Hallmark in July. Oh, great. It's called... So, this year, Hallmark is airing three new Christmas movies as part of their Christmas in July. One of them being a Christmas movie that I'm in called My Grown-Up Christmas List. Mm -hmm. So, My Grown-Up Christmas List will air in July. Um, on Hallmark, and I'm in that lovely one. And then I'm in, wow, two other Christmas movies that will air this Christmas. One being Baking All the Way, and then I have an MOW called Styled with Love that's like a rom-com that I've been told is going to air sometime very soon. And those are supporting roles, are they called? Yeah, so um, all of the other ones, I'm like a, like a supporting lead. Usually the sassy best friend, that's kind of like, what they call your hit. Like, it's just a role that I do get a lot because yeah. I do I feel like it's just me. Like, yeah. I, am yeah, you of, are. I am kind of like a sassy best friend. You know, the sassy best friend is always like, of course he likes you. Like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Like, where are you going? Oh my God, he said that. Like, screw him. Like, let's go get ice cream. These kind of words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not far away from who you are in real life. It, yeah. <laughs> so the sassy best friend role is like one I've played many, many times. Obviously, it's a beautiful place to down. be. 
you know, usually the sassy best friend is like, you know, number three or four on the call sheet, meaning like a very large role because you help propel the story along because the number one always needs like a sounding board. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, does he like me? I'm not sure. I haven't seen him in 10 years. Of course he likes you. And you should wear that red dress for your date tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) So... It's a beautiful place, and I've done the role, like, many, many times. Um, obviously, my aspirations are, you know, lead roles, um, but I'm just happy to work. To work, I love working. I love working. It's my happy place. What? Well, I don't see you. I don't think of you as a sassy best friend. Okay. I okay. think of you as a lead. <laughs> well, she is Truth. a lead. Yeah, she is a lead. Absolutely she is are. a lead. But she's also a sassy best friend. It's part of my story as an actor. She's also a hooker. <laughs> she is. On at work. Numerous hookers. She's been a hooker. Ooh, and she's been a stripper. Oh, really? Do you have any moves? No, I mean, no. she can fake it real no. good. She can fake it real good. Oh, okay. I mean, it was it was like, <laughs> I have a pole if you want to practice at my house. Do you actually? Yeah, I do. Where? Um, you can put it up and take okay, it down. Okay, because I was like, yeah. I've been to your house many times. Yeah. I don't remember a pole. It doesn't come out very often, only special occasions. <laughs> okay, well, one night we can have some more rose. Yeah, that's usually just, how it starts. We how can do just you dance put it out? Does it automatically? You just start dancing and it automatically no, no, comes no. out? It actually, <laughs> I had a lot of drinks and I was like, I'm going to buy a stripper pole. Amazon? I bought it on Amazon. Amazon. But no, it's got a base. So you put the base in okay. and then you screw it. It's got three pieces. You screw it in mm. and then you tighten it and it has a big thing and it goes to the top and then it spins. You can totally spin uh-huh. on it, but you like... Sean always puts it up. Yeah, I was like, Sean like, always puts like, it up. It's like a shower rod, but this way. This way, and then you like yeah, get, you like it. twist it, and then it kind uh, of goes. It, I know someone who does the pole for um for aerobics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, cardio. Well, that's what I. She's in fantastic shape. You know, it's it hard is, to hold yourself up. Oh, I can't even imagine. I look at it and I think, oh, no. It's not easy. Yeah, I can do like some moves. I can go upside down. I can hold myself. But I mean, I always, my whole body hurts. And if I do it with yeah. shoes on, the next day, my legs are full of bruises because you're putting your, your your shoes to you. I don't know how someone who does that as a profession does not look. I look like I got uh-huh. <laughs> thrown in an alley. Yeah, or well, it a lot horrible. of them do look like that. <laughs> It's not easy. It's not easy. No. It's very hard. It is very hard. Um, so when like Sean gets angry with you, you just like whip out the pole and you're like, baby, can't put it out myself. So no. <laughs> no. I usually just make him a sandwich if he's not happy. Sandwiches yeah. are the way to his heart, really. Quicker than the pole. <laughs> That's dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good sandwich can solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Yes. Really. I feel like it can. Like Absolutely. if someone just puts a magical sandwich like in front a of made, you. a sandwich made with love. Yes. Like, like toasted with like cheese. Or like you put it things. in the air fryer. Oh. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. So these supporting roles. Yeah. How many days do you have to be on set for those? Huh. What's okay, your so rider like? MOWs usually like? shoot between 12 and 15 shoot days. So that's the standard. Oh, wow, you can do a whole movie, twelve to fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So hour. How how long's the content? Like, what do they want? An hour? An hour and a half. Oh, an hour and to a half. air. You mean like? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like an hour and a half. So when you depending on the on the MOW and depending on the network and like a a higher budget Hallmark will shoot for fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe like a lower budget MOW will shoot for twelve. 
But usually it's somewhere in between the 12 and 15 day mark. I've never shot one that's gone over 15 days of shoot days. So usually that's three weeks essentially, right? Because they'll shoot Monday to Friday. So depending on the script, to answer your question about how many shoot days does like a supporting lead usually have, I've had it like the least amount of days on a supporting lead I've ever done was maybe four. And then the most amount of days on a supporting lead I've done was like nine. Mm -hmm. So depending on the script, depending on how many lines, depending on how many locations that character lives in, right? Just as I was saying, like when you're say block shooting, like an episodic. So like one of the supporting leads that I shot, my character only existed in the office mm-hmm. because she was like sassy best friend slash coworker. Oh, yeah. very okay. common archetype in the MOW world. Yes. Okay. But oh, since she yes. only existed in the office, mm-hmm. I was there every day they shot the office because I just got kind of always existed yeah, floating around going in to the, the office. Photocopies or so something. So like the four days they were in the office, my character was in top to bottom talking mm-hmm. a lot. Where if your character say, you know, you go for dinner and then you like also live with them because a sassy best friend slash roommate also exists very commonly (laughs) in the MOW space. So if you're living with them, plus you're going to dinner, plus you're going to coffee, like you end up- That's a nine-dayer. That's like a nine-dayer. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. So it's all all like- Yeah, I'm ready. You're ready for your role for your sassy best friend. I I don't know which one I want though. Just the office and just get the four days in and out or the nine days. (laughs) Because it's all like- get paid the same? Well, no, because you get per day. Oh, so you kind of want the- You want more days on set. I want more than just the office. But here's the thing. If you're in, say, like say the one where I, I did the four days in the office, I was in every scene all four days. So I did like- four very long days and obviously you make overtime after eight hours where say I do nine days I'm not in 12 hours every day so like there's a possibility that they could have equated to about the same like if I'm only doing nine eight hour days oh those are good questions I guess I can't really it's not standard for me to start asking those types of questions I'm here oh no 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 (laughs) Not you. I mean, when I get my fictitious role. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Wait, you just you know, ask me. You think the love interest the- in, the sm- in the hometown? The hometown love interest? No, your cast I mean, is, is- your cast is the, um, you know, the sassy best co-worker, best friend co-worker yes. and roommate. You're like, you sure you want to be, you want him to be the roommate too? You wouldn't just rather like a lot of co-worker scenes overtime co-worker <laughs> scenes and forget the roommate you know yeah. i think the four days in terms of like <laughs> acting like it's very different when you say have four crazy days and then like nine casual days casual in the sense where you're not in every scene all nine days because when you're in every scene like four days in a row like your brain kind of gets overloaded sometimes yeah like, i bet when you're like talking a lot of random spiels but when you're like spread out between the nine days because you exist in like various locations, your brain actually ends up getting like a day off. And then you're like, okay, well, then I can learn those lines mm-hmm. tomorrow because I'm not in tomorrow, like the next day in like six mm-hmm. scenes. Okay. So there's pros and cons. So I want the nine day. I mean, maybe not. I mean, <laughs> I enjoy a crazy you four take what days. You can get. Well. Yeah, from the sounds of you can take, yeah, yeah. take what you can get. Honestly, it's pros and cons. Pros yeah. and cons. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just get it over with. And then you can like, because when I'm in a gig, it's like my brain can really only like focus on that gig. It's hard to like focus oh, on yeah. self-tapes because that's the other thing. Like the self-tape world is crazy and like it doesn't stop when you're working. That's the self-tape. Yeah, so I noticed 
um, Corey does a lot of self tapes for us. Yeah. I would help. So when What's explain a what a self tape? Yes. Yeah, so oh yeah, you, I used to help you with your self tape because my issues away. She helps me with my self tape sometimes. Well, you explain and you it even and got me. I booked one of my first self tapes that you helped me with. Anyway. Yeah, I was the oh. off. I was the. She'll explain what it is. I'll even tell. I can even say the movie because it's aired already. Okay. Okay. So a self tape is right. a self case. Yeah, a self taped audition. So in okay. COVID. Since you weren't like before, we would go into the room, right? We would like go to the casting place. We would wait, like seeing all the other actors. Mm -hmm. And then you would like go into the room and you would like do the scene a few times as the casting director. So in COVID, since like they didn't want to see anyone in real life, everything turned into a self-taped audition. So... So you record it at home with your own camera yeah. and they send you the lines and then you read them. And then sometimes you have, there's like, you have a dialogue with someone else. So someone is talking off screen. So that's what I would do to help. She'd send me the lines ahead of time. And then I would be the person who was talking off camera. And then she would be the one on camera. Like, yes, we need to go get coffee. And I'd be like, no problem. Like, yeah, I can nice. actually send you that self tape oh. because... I booked it yeah. and the movie's aired because the thing is you can't show any footage if the movie uh -huh. hasn't aired, but the movie's aired. Wow. It yeah. ended up going they lifetime. come knocking on your door? Case. No, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm still, yeah, I'm still You're a great reader because she's just so happy and positive, right? Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. So it's like you Every are, day. I'm happy to, well, and for a, for a long time, I had like a nine foot um, backdrop. seamless black backdrop paper just set up in my living she room. She literally had a self-tape <laughs> set up. Like, I just, set up. House is like, for the pole. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting things. <laughs> my house is a playground. Okay. <laughs> but I had the studio set up. So she would just come over and be like, hey, I got a self-tape. You're out? Yeah. Okay, bye. Well, that's what's so great, too. Like, usually, like, I'm blessed because I have Ish a, a married to another actor. So, like, our self-tape game is strong. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a fabulous backdrop. We've got, like, three different ring lights depending on, like, what the lighting is outside. And, like, we just have it down. You know what I mean? Like, we're also very good readers for each other because I know what Ish needs. Ish knows what I need. So, when he goes away, I'm always like, what do I do now? But she's obviously, honestly, like, a, she's like a 10-minute walk. <laughs> she has a self-tape set up, and I genuinely love her, and I know she, like, wants the best for me, which is, like, all the, the right things for a reader that in a self-tape. So, in COVID, everything turned to self-tape auditions. Pros and cons, obviously, because, you know, you get sent so many more in COVID. Right. Because... You don't have to have you there. That's the thing. Casting directors had to sit and watch, you know, 20 actors do the same scene. But it's quite convenient for a casting well, director. Well, that's the COVID's thing. It's been great for a casting so director. So, A, if you think about it, the casting director can ask more people. Mm -hmm. B, the casting director can give you more lines because they don't have to sit there and watch. Yeah. But I think the biggest negative is since, you know, I'm blessed and I've worked and I've, you know, I've taken a lot of training, like to go into the room and for a casting director to be like, okay, do it again, but this time, and then say, give you a very specific redirect. Yeah. I am confident in my abilities. I can excel in that. I can literally be like, let's do that. Let me give you that. But in COVID, yeah. you know, you just get your little breakdown. Right. And sometimes it's just like, is a doctor at the clinic. Right. You literally have no real concept of what, the, what they're looking for. So you just kind of have to choose a direction. Right. And put it out there. You're only supposed to send one one. Take. Right, without the benefit of them being able to say, you know, tweak this, you giving them that, and then Ex being like, okay, that worked, that was it. Exactly. Yeah. So, pros and cons. A, I get a lot more 
be you get a lot more lines. And again, I'm blessed because, you know, I'm at a certain point. I'm not going for one-liners, you know. Yeah. So I'm not getting tiny auditions. I'm getting six, seven, eight pages. And what I think a lot of casting directors don't always take into account is that that's not just the one audition I have. You know, right. a lot of times I'm getting two or three in a day. So, like, right. it feels very overwhelming when you know you have to learn, like, 15, 16 pages. Wow. Right? And you have to be off book because you have to Yeah, you can't tape. be. You can't be, like, staring at a page. Right. So, Or, or saying it consciously from memory. Well, you got to sort thing. of let like, it sink in and you got to really know it. Unless you're, like, I don't know, an insecure, like, character that's, like, coming up with the idea at the time where you right. can maybe be finding the lines. And, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, say you're a lawyer, which I go for a lot. You've got to talk with conviction. Mm -hmm. Well, what about Article 1256? Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be like... Article... Uh, uh, what was that again? Or if you're a doctor, which, again, they love them, an Asian doctor. Uh, so they're like, uh, 30 cc's of the metabolic... And you're like, Ed, I have to be Googling these things. I'm like, I have no fucking idea what this medicine is. <laughs> but like... You got to talk with conviction. And if you have to know the lines in that sense. So what is your process for memorization? Oh, man. I've even, like, taken classes on this because the, it's a wild, wild west out there. I personally like the add-on method, and I'll explain it. Like, Please. Yeah. So like, the add-on method is, like, when I get a script, so I'll look at the first line. So say my first line is, hey, how are you doing? So then I'll be like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Then I'll add on. So maybe the next line after the other character has said something is, oh, on Monday, I'm going to the doctor's office. So then I'm like, okay, on Monday, I'm going to the doctor's office. On Monday, I'm going to the doctor's office. Then I go back to start from the beginning. Hey, how you Add doing? On, hey, hey, how you doing? How you on doing? Monday, I'm going to the doctor's office. But you just remembered that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it does work. So then... This is good for us. I keep going. I keep going. And obviously, at some point, if it's like, say, a six-page scene, you start losing your way. So then I just... Just start from the beginning again. And what I always say too, your brain is only at max capacity for say 20 or 30 minutes. So do your 20, 30 minutes, take a break. Get out. Come back in an hour. Because remember when you were like a rehearsing for, not rehearsing, a cramming for like a test? Mm -hmm. And if you just crammed one night, there was only certain information your brain would retain. But if you crammed four nights in a row, you would remember that much more because yeah. your brain needs breaks. Yeah. You can't just do one crammer and think you'll know everything. So that's why you do a strategic 20 or 30 minutes, leave it for an hour, come back. So then once to go back to the add-on method. So once I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of say the first scene, what you do, and this is the real clutch moment, you, re you re record the other lines on your phone. So the lines you're not saying. So, so you sort of like you record lines. you record the lines of the other character. Of the other so character. here, yeah, like You're I bet you. All, okay, so you the lines to help you cue it up. So basically, you can just start running them. Yes. Okay. So then, right. so you leave a space. So, so the hey, how are you doing? So I do. I'll do like one, two, three, just so I know yep. I have the first line. Leave the space for hey, how are you doing? Then I'll say like. Oh, I'm doing great. Like, say this is the other person's last. Oh, I'm doing great. Wait, what are we doing again tomorrow? Leave the space. On Monday, oh. I'm going to the doctor's office. Exactly. So then you can pound the lines over and over again with yourself because that's when it really commits to memory. Because And that's also when you've moved on to that next step is 
Because acting isn't just knowing the lines. I mean, obviously, it's an important step to the scene, but you have to be ever-present when the other person's speaking the line. So then when you're running the scene in its entirety is when you start working out the beats of, because maybe I fucking hate you <laughs> as the other character. And so you're like, oh, I'm good, but like, what are you doing tomorrow? So maybe Monday, like, I'm going to fucking doctor. So then, then like, maybe I have a, a beat in my head, like, why is mm-hmm. it talking? You know what I mean? I don't say it out loud, but like I work out the beats my character would be thinking or I say active listening or I mean, there's so much into mm-hmm. a scene mm-hmm. I could start breaking down. But for me, this is what works the best. And I know ish is very similar. So I'll do the add on method till I have a pretty good grasp of the scene. And then I'll move to my to the voice note mm-hmm. method, essentially. And then you literally just have right. to pound it and pound okay. it and pound it. Like, right. You're listening at that point. You're listening to the other characters' lines. You've already gone through the process of like layering all of your lines on top of each other and understanding it from that perspective. Yeah. And then you're really just doing the scene. Yeah, exactly. You're literally just rehearsing the rehearsing scene. You're rehearsing scene. the flow, maybe. And like actors get booked all the time, not on the lines they're saying, but how they're reacting and, and the moments you're putting in between the lines. Mm-hmm. So at some point, as you as it seeps in, yes, you start to, it starts to feel less like you're saying a line and yeah. more like you're reacting in the moment. Exactly. You're like the character. Exactly. And the more you have the line second nature, because it is like once you start running the scene with yourself over and over and over and over and over and taking those breaks and then coming back and, you know, everything, like it does become second nature and it does feel more natural. And that's key, like to just look like that's just who you are. That's just the lines you're saying. You're not like thinking about it. Because you can see on an actor's face when they're thinking about the lines. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're not ever or a present. Singer. Or a singer. Well, yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, like uh, my favorite place is to have a set of lines for at least two sleeps. Mm-hmm. Because the first night, I find I'm really just dedicating to really getting in the lines. And I don't have as much time as to prepare the scene. I mean, obviously I've, I've done a lot of self tapes due next day, but I can really have them committed a lot better when I have two nights, because then by the time I'm rehearsing it the second day, yeah, you're really working out those in like smaller beats and moments of like how I would feel in the scene. Like how, right. what, what is my relationship? The character. You're more consciously able to focus on the character exactly. and less the line. Yeah. And again, this is my method. I mean, that's, it sounds like a fantastic. Yeah. It sounds like a good method. Lots of actors do this method and have their own. And it's really whatever works for you. Just mm-hmm. like with life. Right. You know what I mean? Like as long as it works. I know some actors that literally write out the lines because yeah, writing does commit yeah, things that. better to memory. So like sometimes they'll just instead of like looking at the page, they'll literally just write their lines out because it commits to memory. Some acting teachers say to like scream the lines. Because <laughs> when you're no, I know when yeah. you're screaming, it actually does commit Things to memory. right in. Yeah. Keep it, your wife's name at my house. <laughs> so like there's just lots of different things. Tony Robbins says that, like, when you have more oxygen to the brain, you remember things more. Yeah. He, yeah. like, jumps on the trampoline. Yeah. So, like, I used to run and learn lines at one point. And it does actually, I, I really like it. Yeah. But you don't have the luxury, obviously, of, like, going for a run and, like, learning lines every time. But I do enjoy it. So, yeah. Are you working on any music now? So, I know we talked about this briefly when I walked in. So, one of my next... 
steps I feel in my creative life is writing, like scripted television. It's definitely something that has been calling my name. I've started writing some MOWs just because it's a world that I'm very familiar with. Wow. And um, I have a bunch of ideas that I feel like are in that safe realm for an MOW, but still a little unique. Mm-hmm. Um, my first MOW that I'm writing is a musical. So I've been very much in the throes of finishing those songs. So that's kind of like where my head has been at the last wow. couple months. And, and when you start those ideas, I guess you don't start with the dialogue. You start with a, a general yeah, synopsis. Exactly. That, that, that's what I, I did. I definitely started with like kind of like a general idea. And then I started breaking it down more and more and more and more. And so when do you start defining your characters? You write this. I mean, I started started defining the lead two characters from the get-go just because they, like in an MOW, it's really all about the kind of like main two or three or four leads that propel the story along. And then there's kind of these, I find them usually like quirky archetypes, you know, like the sassy best friend. Mm -hmm. Or like the woman in the store or like the the bitchy boss. Like there's, there's just certain archetypes that just like work in a lot of different movies, you know, yeah. certain ideas that just kind of make sense that people gravitate to that they like. So I kind of had the archetype type kind of characters that I wanted to like bring to the story. And then I just expanded. I actually ended up reading a bunch of books too, just cause I, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. I read, um, screenwriting for dummies, which I actually really liked. Yeah. I bet it's great. Yeah, a lot of those for dummies are well. Just to break it down, and it's like I don't claim to be an expert, but I want to gain some knowledge. Um, So I read that, and then I also read. um, I feel like it was called like screenwriting bible or something, and it was also very very good because it's true. Like certain movies follow similar plot points. You know what I mean? Like usually at the end of an MOW, the lead has lost everything. Literally, like mm-hmm. I lost the guy, and my mom's right. Mad there's at me. a point in which there's a pit of the hole. There's a everything bottom. has come crumbling down. Yes, and then literally the end, last kind of chapter Quarter. is them getting the guy again, not realizing they could do it a different way, and now everything could work yeah. out. Yeah. Usually, that's it's my a, favorite part. I just, that's why I watch them. I love that. The, it's the usually a fish out style. of water beginning of an MOW. Either the yes. lead has to go back to the small town or the small town girl has to go to the main city. Like it's usually something yeah, it's where- it's a fish out of water beginning. It's usually a fish out of water beginning. Yeah. Usually they're trying to make something happen yeah. the way they think it should happen. Uh-huh. And usually when you when you realize the ending, they've gotten everything they wanted, but in a different way, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. So there's certain like- Sort of like a- Finding your stride, but there's a piece there that's going to crumble yeah. you right down to the bottom again. Yeah, usually they have, <laughs> they have to show some sort of vulnerability. Uh-huh. Usually there's a crying scene. Yeah. I just thought it was going to work out. I really thought this was it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these types of words. I thought I was going to save Christmas. Yeah, yeah like, then the tree's not showing up, and they can't get the tree, or they have yeah. to cut down the family tree, and then somebody, so yeah. And then in the final hour, the tree shows up and it's more beautiful than they thought. It's bigger and everyone, you know, yeah. Are you writing exclusively Christmas stuff? (laughs) No. (laughs) 
But I've been in a lot of Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot I of like Christmas. Christmas. I do. Yeah. I love being in them because I do. I love them myself. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I know some actors don't like to do MOWs. And I'm always like, why? Yeah. They're so fun and light and like. Yeah. They, they, I like light movies. Like, you know, they're just like, people like them because my mom calls them romance novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like women like romance novels because they know it's going to end a certain way. Mm-hmm. Usually there's some sort of triumphant ending of an MOW. Yeah. There's so usually love women. <laughs> Whether it's self-love or a couple love or, you know, there's usually some sort of. And for the music, are you starting at a piano? What do you. So, yes. In terms of the musical that I'm writing. Yeah. So. Piano was my first instrument, and I actually recently went and bought a used keyboard to, like, reacquaint myself. Uh Because there's just certain musical theater-type songs that I really love, and it was more about figuring out what those chord progressions were. Yeah. I mean, since you do music, you can understand Mm -hmm. this. Um, And actually, the last two months, I've been feeling really kind of like numb and uninspired about writing. So again, just because I dive into my manifesting and my self-help people, I love Gabrielle Bernstein. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know this, like, she's like, I love her so much. She makes me so happy. And she always talks about like, to get inspired, you know, to get creative, you just need to do it. And again, it's true. Like, if I like sit down and listen to an album I love, it does make me feel inspired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for the last like month, I've been just like listening to a lot of musicals that I really loved when I first just started my career. Like, you know, Les Mis mm-hmm. and Jesus Christ Superstar. My favorite is Joseph and the Amazing Technical. Well, that was my Co- first professional musical. Oh, oh God, Donnie I love that. my favorite musical of all time. I was in I that. I know every song. I was in that. That was <laughs> my Joseph? first professional yeah. musical. Wow. I don't even know much about Jo- like what Joseph is about like that's I didn't grow up like you know but I love the musical yeah. every song me and my sister we we would just sing it was just, a lot of cats just something about that coat it was very yeah. colorful I, was I his, won't sing while Corey's here it was his colorful laughter we'll do a number yeah he'll do a number I'll do a number <laughs> oh my god I would die I'm putting it saying this. Me. <laughs> Joseph go 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 Joseph go 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 Joseph you know what they say yeah yeah Yes. So good. But yeah, revisiting things that like once inspired you does re-inspire. Yes. It's like, it's, it's like, it's factual. You know what I mean? So I've been revisiting musicals that I really loved. And again, to go back to my like Asian stereotype roles, when I first, first started singing professionally and I was like 10, literally one of my first singing teachers told me the only lead role that I'd be able to do was Miss Saigon. Because that was the only lead Asian role in a musical at that time. This is true. These are facts. Like mm-hmm. yeah. now people are like, what? Like, what are you talking about? There's Asians in so many musicals. But no. It back, wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. So I went home and I learned every word to Miss Saigon, thinking right. it was my only lead because I knew I was going to be a lead. Mm-hmm. She was confident in her abilities. So I literally went home. I learned every word. I still know every word just yeah. because I, yeah, I bet <laughs> it was ingrained in my brain. So Miss Saigon is another one that really inspires me just because I had so many feelings about it when I was so young and I really thought I was going to do it on Broadway. Like I really thought that that was like my only road to a lead. So yeah, revisiting all the musicals that once really just like 
lit a fire in my soul in the last month has been has been nice. I discovered one new musical, Six. Mm. It's new. It's like literally it was just came to Broadway like in the last two years about the six wives of um I think it's Henry the Eighth, but again. Oh well, that's like be, a rock uh, pop, <laughs> like a rock pop musical. He killed, he killed them all pretty well. It's just the music is beautiful. I think one of them got out of there alive. But he, he, yeah. The music is awesome because they're all like very like diva esque singers. That's not for me. <laughs> yeah, no. I want to go to New York and see it because it cool. really like inspires me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I've been singing on my Insta stories a lot lately just because I've been singing the songs that inspired me. Because again, it, usually after I've like sung for like half an hour, I usually can write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After, because I'm like in that just like mind frame. So yeah, I've been singing all these like musical theater songs. Love it. And I've been really enjoying it. So we have a lot of, a lot to look forward to with you. <laughs> okay. We've got five movies. Yeah. And your musical. It's happening, baby. Like I, I literally wait. can see it in my head. I can. I really can. Because the most expensive part of doing a musical MOW is the music, but I can do it all myself. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I can, I'm writing all the music. Yeah. It's just producing all of it. Like, we can make it happen, like, literally in our home studio, as we talked about. Like, so yeah. many, like, awesomely talented, like, teenage kids from the middle of nowhere are just putting out bangers because… <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Because yes. they can. Because they have the programs. They can do it all at home. So… That's my big thing. When I pitch the movie, the songs will be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll be open to changing them, but like I know 100% in my heart that that will be the biggest green light. Oh shit, the music's done yeah. already? Yeah. Like how, she, how many songs for us? In for, the musical? Yeah. So it's funny. So when I first wrote the, the musical, I went and watched literally like, 20 musical movies mm-hmm. to be like, how many songs are in a yeah, musical like movie? Because literally I wrote much, that down. I, I need bet. to find out. It ranges. Ugh. It can be like four or five or oh. it could be like 15. Or they're singing, talking the whole time. Well, that's the thing. So usually in a musical movie. Sing, talking. Really? <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. In a musical movie, it's either are the songs coming from the person's head or are they actually performing songs? Right. right. Like when you think of like a sister act too, which is like uh-huh. one of the biggest musical movie inspirations of my life. Every song they sing is a performance. It's not like coming from their head. Right. Right. right? right. So like we're, f- well, it's not a movie, so it's not a good example. But uh, I mean, Wizard of Oz would be more like that though too. Well, when you think of like even like a Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge is an interesting one because it's both. Mm-hmm. It comes from the head and their Yeah, like when he's going on the rooftops. That's all like in his quote unquote head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you think of like Greatest Showman, which is what what I would say is the best newer movie musical in the last few years, because I think it was very, very well done. It's a combination of actual performance and songs that are coming from the characters' minds. So again, things I didn't ever think about as I watched all these 20 musicals being like, okay, so like, what do I want to see? What do I enjoy watching? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I enjoy both. Yeah. I, 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 think I like I, both too. I think I enjoy when like there is some sort of element of them performing and when they're just thinking of songs, like, like it's just like an inner dialogue in their head or like what they're imagining someone is talking about, but they're really just singing it to them. Yeah. Again, so many things when you start oh. diving in. 
I can say pretty confidently between Talia and I will probably watch all five movies. <laughs> Talia will love every single one of those movies. I love Talia. Yeah, she, she, those movies are right up her alley. Yeah. She is uh, my type of movie gal. Yeah. Um, I, you can't show her anything that's remotely uh, scary. No, or, I don't like Or scary upsetting or anything like that. I don't like scary movies either. Do you like scary movies? I watch a lot of murder shows. Yeah. No, Casey, no, I like, Casey's I like murder documentaries. That spectrum then. Like Talia couldn't watch that. No. But, she I, mean, she but I don't like I don't like a jump cuts. scare. I don't like bloody, but I mean, I, I like to watch a good serial killer murder. I love a documentary, like a Netflix documentary. Mm-hmm. Like, like I say, don't uh, fuck like- with cats. Did you watch that one? <laughs> no, but I like documentaries too. Oh my God. Don't it's fuck- one of the best, I think, Netflix. It. Okay. It's so good. No, it's all these. I don't. <laughs> I don't fuck with cats. <laughs> well, I don't want to say but anything. I will watch it. It's honestly a very good. One of my good. employees has a cat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I'll watch it. it. It's really good. I highly recommend it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Incredible so to many. catch up and learn so much more about you. It's I know. We haven't actually ever no. had t- like long conversations. I mean, you know everything it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> brief. Well, but the brief moments have been very fun. I'll take that. Yeah. I try and bring light with me everywhere I go. You certainly do. I do. I try. 100%. The world is shitty enough. Yes. Yeah. Let's be the light. <laughs> yeah. You, that's a beautiful place to end off. Thank you. It's <laughs> Thank true. You. And you always have. And I've always felt that from you. So that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for tuning into this episode with Corey Lee. Follow her at Corey Lee Music on Instagram. And check out more episodes of Cast of Creators on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform, or visit castofcreators.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>